From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. As the parliamentary year enters its final fortnight, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is facing a political crisis. The coalition government has fractured on a number of issues this week, most significantly in response to a bill introduced by One Nation leader Pauline Hanson. A number of coalition senators crossed the floor to vote against the government in favour of One Nation's legislation, which aims to oppose vaccine mandates. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper Paul Bongiorno on why the coalition is in chaos and the political ramifications it'll have for Scott Morrison. It's Friday, November 26. Paul, it's almost the end of the year. We're in the final sitting fortnight for 2021, which means that it's the last time that our politicians will be in Parliament. It's their last opportunity to get things done. So what would you say was the dominating theme of the week? Well, Ruby, Scott Morrison was hoping for a tidy end to the parliamentary year, but instead his coalition government is fracturing over his agenda. And it began with a Pauline Hanson vaccine mandates bill. But as the week progressed, there were splits over religious discrimination and calls for an anti-corruption commission, all adding to a sense of government disarray. Right, well, let's begin then with where things started to go wrong, One Nation's vaccine mandates bill. Can you tell me about it? On Monday, Pauline Hanson, One Nation's controversial leader, introduced a bill called the COVID-19 Vaccination Status Brackets Prevention of Discrimination Close Brackets Bill to Parliament. Once again, I rise in this chamber with a heavy heart to bear witness to the demise of Australian democracy and freedom. At the crux of it is an anti-COVID vaccination mandate bill that argues people should not be discriminated against on the basis of not being vaccinated. Many people in Brisbane, including those with critical positions in health, education, freight and law enforcement, have lost their jobs because they haven't been vaccinated. What that means, if the bill were to pass, is that employees in certain industries, such as aged care workers, who currently must be vaccinated to work, would no longer need to be. This legislation is urgently needed to arrest and reverse the pandemic of discrimination which has been unleashed on the Australian people. One Nation under Hanson has been leveraging off and even encouraging the anti-vaccination sentiment in Australia. Once again, I am moved to lament the theft of this most fundamental human right from the Australian people by the very representatives who are charged with protecting it. And Hanson threatened to withhold support for all government legislation unless the Prime Minister backed her bill. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this is about one nation trying to appease the section of their base who might be anti-vax. And it also sounds like they're going pretty hard on this. So what was the Prime Minister's response, Paul, to that threat to pull support unless the government came on board? Well, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said that his government couldn't support the bill. 
But serial maverick, Queensland Liberal Senator Gerard Rennick, crossed the floor and voted for the One Nation Bill. Uh, when I signed up to become a senator two and a half years ago, uh, I signed up to protect the Australian people uh, and particularly to make sure that we always look after the health and wellbeing of those people. Over the last few weeks, he's been arguing against the Coalition's stance on vaccine mandates. He believes they're unnecessary and verging on cruel. The threat of having to take a second vaccine if you've already had an adverse reaction from the first vaccine, I think is violence in itself. It is intolerably cruel and it is not something I intend to walk by. Rennick's been highlighting cases of adverse vaccine effects and actually wrote to the PM last week, calling on him to scrap vaccine mandates and to improve the compensation scheme for people who are badly affected by the vaccine. Alex Antich, a South Australian Liberal senator, also voted in favour of the Hanson bill. So it's tragically ironic that after several decades of building upon anti-discrimination legislation, it's only taken a relatively short time for Australia to be transformed into a two-tiered society on the grounds of medical discrimination. He made his intention of voting against the government pretty clear a couple of weeks ago in a post on his Facebook page where he claimed Australians were being forced against their will to get inoculated. He said, quote, It's not reasonable for Australians to be discriminated against based on their decision to submit or otherwise to a medical procedure. We must say no to vaccine discrimination. Those who refuse COVID vaccines are being marginalised for no reason other than their refusal to comply with the whims of a power-hungry, unelected health bureaucracy around the country. And history doesn't look kindly on these actions. The two senators were also joined by Conchetta Ferriovanti-Wells, who's been a Liberal senator for New South Wales since 2005. The sheer multitude of emails and communications I have received from the Australian public prompted me to vote for the COVID-19 Vaccination Status Prevention of Discrimination Bill yesterday. National Senator Matt Canavan. I thought I was born in a free country. I think a lot of other Australians thought they were too, I think man, the National Sam McMahon from the Northern Territory. I rise today to speak about the appalling state in the Northern Territory of the vaccine mandates inflicted upon Territorians by the Gunner Labor government. What all of this shows is that it isn't just one nation trying to tap into the anti-vax vote, but also elements of the coalition, particularly in Queensland. Okay, so we have five senators from within the coalition crossing the floor to vote for Pauline Hanson's proposed bill, this anti-vaccine mandate bill. So was that enough for it to get over the line? Well, no, it wasn't. The Senate on Monday overwhelmingly rejected the Hanson bill 44 votes to five. The One Nation senators weren't allowed to vote because they're unvaccinated and they stayed in Queensland they were attending Parliament remotely. So, ironically, Ruby, the only people who voted for the bill were those five government senators. And now the revolt has spread to the lower house with two Queensland nationals, George Christensen and Lou O'Brien, threatening to cause chaos in this sitting fortnight unless the government secures from the state's timelines to end vaccine mandates. Right. It sounds pretty chaotic, Paul. (laughs) It was. Uh, But there was one voice in the Senate that cut through a lot of the noise and it came with unexpected force from the Tasmanian independent Jackie Lambie. She was furious. 
but he can't be playing both sides of uh, both sides of the debate here. She accused the Morrison government of doublespeak on vaccinations, saying the Prime Minister needed to stop playing both sides because it was dangerous. We can see what vaccinations are doing. We're all getting a taste of our freedoms coming back and he needs to be really, really solid here. And that she thought it was unhelpful that Australia didn't have a solid leader. I think it's not helping if you don't have a solid leader that is leading the country that wants to try and please everybody. This is a really serious situation that we're in and he needs to stick by his guns. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Paul, we've heard Independent Senator Jackie Lambie's criticism of the way that Scott Morrison and his government have handled Pauline Hanson's vaccine mandate bill and I suppose the issue of vaccination more broadly. But Lambie's feud with the Morrison government, it doesn't end there, does it? What else has she been saying? Well, Ruby, in two blistering speeches to Parliament this week, Lambie excoriated the Prime Minister. Eight years of Liberal stuff I've had to put up with while I've been here, and you've gone from one Prime Minister to another. This is the worst one on record. I've said it out there, and I will continue to say it. He's incompetent, he's not a leader, and I'm enjoying watching him and you fall apart. It's as simple as that. And she went on to condemn the Morrison government for refusal to allow a debate on an independence anti-corruption commission bill. It's not even a bill, it's a ghost. It's in a whole pretend. It's another lie. Australian people are looking at you. They're sick of your lies. They're sick of you not putting up. They're sick of you not delivering. You do not deliver. She said it was shameful Morrison had failed to establish a promised integrity commission and said that the failure was just another lie from the Prime Minister. You are finished in the next election. You're gone, I can tell you. You may want to get out there with your own boots on and see what your electorates are saying. Because I'll tell you what, you're finished. You're finished in Tasmania. And Lambie claimed she was going to finish the Liberals off in Tasmania by running Jackie Lambie Network candidates against them. I look forward to doing that. I look forward to running my own candidates in those seats and passing those preferences where they deserve to go, but not to political lies. They're not going there. Right, and so how worrying would an attack like this from an independent be to Scott Morrison, Paul? In particular, I suppose, this threat to run candidates in key seats. Well, put simply, Morrison can't afford to lose any seats and, in fact, will need to pick up a few from somewhere. New South Wales and Tasmania were thought to be his best bets. But those two scorching speeches in the Senate this week from Lambie may well have dashed the Liberals' prospects in the island state. And yet another opinion poll, the Resolve Political Monitor in the Sydney Morning Herald, has shown a downward trend for Morrison's personal performance. 
One of Morrison's problems is his ham-fisted attempts to placate his recalcitrant rebels on vaccine mandates last week failed miserably this week. And on the issue of character and truthfulness. There seems to be a lot of focus on that at the moment. Jackie Lambie accused Scott Morrison of telling another lie in one of those speeches that you mentioned. And a couple of weeks ago on national radio, Scott Morrison was asked if he'd ever lied while in his role. So what is going on here? Why are these questions being asked now? Yeah, well, that's right. It was two weeks ago to the day that Scott Morrison was asked on Radio 3AW if he had ever told a lie in public. Prime Minister, we're talking Prime Minister Scott Morrison. You ever told a lie in public life? I don't believe I have. No, no. His answer was brief. He said he didn't believe that he had. But that short sentence seems destined to haunt him and the government in the months leading up to the election. Is Scott Morrison telling the truth when he says he's never told a lie in public life? Defence Minister Peter Dutton was asked about it by Lee Sales on 7.30 this week, showing the issue of Morrison's integrity isn't going away. From my own perspective, uh, and it's been my experience with Scott Morrison as well, that, uh, you know, we've conducted ourselves in an honourable way. The fact remains, though, Ruby, it's becoming increasingly difficult for the Prime Minister and his supporters to defend or distract from Morrison's half-truths, doublespeak and outright lies. What's been firmly established in Morrison's regard, he lies about what he himself has previously said on numerous occasions. Uh, This debases his currency, and the polls are reflecting that. In a tight election, if the difference is the character of the two leaders... This time, it's more likely to damage Morrison's chances. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ruby. Bye. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, introduced a long-awaited and controversial religious discrimination bill into Parliament on Thursday, describing it as sensible and balanced. Equality advocates say the bill would reaffirm the right of independent schools to fire teachers who do not conform to religious tenets and could be used to overturn state bans on gay conversion therapy practices. And in New South Wales, more than 80 backpackers at a hostel in Byron Bay have entered into a week-long police-enforced lockdown after a guest tested positive to COVID-19. The lockdown comes as thousands of students prepare to attend schooly celebrations in the region. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Elle Marsh, Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Anu Hasbold and Alex Gow. Our senior producer is Ruby Schwartz and our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi.
Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.